Thank you for joining us today on our Eastside Church podcast. Today, Pastor Brock Nevitt will bring our message. Let's listen in. Good morning, Eastside. (laughs) Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Thank you, guys. Thank you. That's awesome. This is my, what, second year, third year as a father, as Father's Day? Two and a half. Does that mean I've gone through three Father's Days? I don't know. I can't keep track of them. That's okay. Um, if you haven't uh, caught on by now, we're in a series called I Am. Everyone say, I Am. In this series, again, if you haven't caught on, we've been talking about uh, different names of God, who God uh, calls himself. And I want to, I want to clar- clarify, just kind of um, just bring, bring some clarity to that. Uh, if you don't know, if you're unfamiliar with this whole concept of God having a lot of different names, it's not because he's got, uh, you know, multiple personality type of things, schizophrenic type of that's, that's not who he is. And we're not talking about multiple gods either. I just want to, you know, clarify that too. There's one God and he has several different ways that he has revealed himself. And we know that by uh, so many different names. And you ask, well, how many different names are there? And I would say, I don't know. I'm not really (laughs) sure how many different names there are. But I know that there's at least three because this is the third week in the series. So uh, if you weren't here, Pastor Brandon uh, kicked it off and he talked about the name El Shaddai. Everyone say El Shaddai. El Shaddai means God Almighty. He is the Almighty God, and that's how the Lord revealed himself to uh, the patriarchs, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, back in the day, back in Genesis. That's one of the first ways that God uh, revealed himself was El Shaddai, God Almighty. And then Stephen Vulo uh, come up last, uh, last Sunday and talked about Jehovah Nisi. Everyone say Jehovah Nisi. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our banner. And I loved how how he talked about uh, the people of Israel when they're coming out of Egypt and they don't have an identity. And the Lord in that moment gives them an identity. He gives them a flag to, to fly above their heads. And say, he says, this is who you are and this is who, who you live for. Just like, you know, us as Americans, he, he used that example of, of an American soldier having that flag, that patch on his, on his arm, signifying this is who I fight for. And the Lord says, this is, this is who, who I am for you. I'm, I'm your banner. I'm the one uh, that you fight for. Today, we're going to talk about a different name, Jehovah-Rohi. Yeah, that's good. All right. Jehovah Rohi means the Lord, our shepherd. I think that's pretty fitting for Father's Day. The Lord, our shepherd. Now, this idea of sheep and shepherd is, uh, it's, this, it's this theme you see it all throughout, all throughout the Bible. 
from Genesis to Revelation, you see, you see a theme of sheep and shepherds. It's not unfamiliar. It's one of the biggest um, motifs, I think, in, in the Bible. It's, it's sheep and shepherd. Whether it's, whether it's um, an actual uh, physical uh, sheep or shepherd that he's talking about, or it's a metaphorical um, idea, something that he's comparing it to. You see it all throughout the Bible. Uh, and there's a lot of, a lot of famous um, shepherds in the Bible. Would anyone like to uh, guess who was the first shepherd mentioned in the Bible? Mm, you are all wrong. <laughs> if you are able to think back <laughs> far, yes, okay, yeah, Abel. Abel was the first shepherd mentioned in the Bible. You guys remember that story? Cain, um, his brother was a, a worker of the field. He made like, he, he, he uh, farms fruits and vegetables and all of that type of stuff. And then his brother Abel was a keeper of the flock. And the Lord had regard for Abel's sacrifice. Something about shepherds that the Lord loves. Something about shepherds. There's a lot of other famous shepherds as we as you go through the Bible. Um, you guys mentioned I, I, I heard Abraham. I, some people think Abraham was a shepherd. I feel like he had a lot of sheep, and maybe he like subbed that job out. <laughs> I, I'm not really sure. Um, you know, I guess I guess you might might consider Abraham a shepherd. Jacob, um, his grandson, was definitely a shepherd. Jacob was a shepherd. All of Jacob's sons. Um, we see them out in the field tending sheep. Um, and I think everybody mentioned David, probably the most famous um, shepherd before, before he became the king. His humble beginnings were in the field. So we're going to look at why the Lord calls himself a shepherd. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 48. This is the first time, this is the first time that, uh, that the Lord is, uh, compared to a shepherd. Genesis chapter 48. It's not in the 23rd Psalm, although we'll get there eventually. But Genesis 48 is actually the first time that the Lord is compared to a shepherd. And I really like this. It's Jacob. Jacob is, he's on, his, he's on his deathbed. It's one of the final things that Jacob does. He's blessing his son Joseph. Uh, and uh, Genesis 48 in verse 15, it says, And he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day. He compares the Lord to a shepherd in that moment. And I love that because of this. And I, I actually think that it was uh, Mackenzie Dry who, who, first, uh, who first brought this out. We know that Jacob was a shepherd. And it's almost as if the Lord had said, what you are to these sheep, I am to you. What you've been to these sheep for so long, that's what I want to be for you. And Jacob says, you, I've, I've known the Lord to be my shepherd all my life long to this day. I love that. I just like that. I wanted to throw that out. I just wanted to start with that because, you know, it's, it's just so significant to me that, that the Lord would reveal himself in something that Jacob was so familiar with. So why does God compare himself to a shepherd? What's a shepherd do? 
What's a shepherd do? Eh, he watches sheep. Yeah, he watches sheep. That's a pretty easy answer. He watches sheep. Uh, sounds like a pretty boring job to me. He watches sheep all day. There's a lot more to it than that, and we'll get into it in just a second. Um, I was going to, Mel, Mel dissuaded me from making a joke about, um, about uh, why, why you only see people watching sheep and not watching cows, and I was going to say because that would make them cowards, um, but I, she told me not to make that joke, so... I'm not going to. I won't do that. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make that joke. Uh, it is Father's Day, and I believe it does deserve a dad joke. Uh, but I won't do it. I'll spare you guys. Yep. Thank you. So what's a shepherd do? He watches sheep, but he's, it's a lot more than watching sheep. That's, there's a lot more to his job description than watching sheep. There's, uh, you know, it's not just a babysitting job. It's a very active job. There's a lot of things that, that the shepherd has to do. To look, to look at that, we have to go to Psalm 23. We can't talk about the Lord being a shepherd and not go to Psalm 23. So if you want to, if you want to uh, put a finger there, we're going to be um, kind of all over the place, but... Uh, We'll definitely come back and forth to Psalm 23. This is what a shepherd does. It's probably the most famous psalm, maybe even the most famous scripture in all the Bible. Would you guys agree? The 23rd Psalm. I want to give you guys a, a, an important lesson, though. Don't let the familiarity of scripture let you lose sight of what you can learn from it. Yeah? So some of us have, you know, if you've grown up in church, maybe, you, maybe you're able to, to quote this, this psalm. If you didn't grow up, grow up in church, uh, you still might be able to quote this psalm. <laughs> the first line, the Lord is my, I shall not. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What's that mean? That means as long as the shepherd is with me, as long as I'm with my shepherd, I have everything I need. I'm not lacking for anything. As long as I'm with my shepherd, I have everything that I need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. This is the first thing the shepherd does, right? A shepherd leads. A shepherd guides. The sheep, I was reading up about sheep, because um, I don't know. I don't know a whole lot about sheep. Um, Andrew Tomberlin has, uh, has a lot less faith than I do about you guys knowing uh, about sheep. He, he told me last week that uh, I guess a neighbor of his has a small white cow. <laughs> and he said that I could maybe borrow that cow and you guys wouldn't know the difference. <laughs> uh, so anyway, all that to say, I was reading up on sheep a little bit, and uh, you know, not not like a Christian website, but like a, a farming, like agricultural type of website about sheep. And you know what they said? Man, sheep are dumb. <laughs> That's what they said. They said sheep can't do anything on their own. Uh, 
Sheep need a shepherd. They need somebody beside them. They need somebody guiding them because if they don't, they're, they're not going to, it's not going to be very good for the sheep. So the, the, the sheep need the shepherd. They need someone guiding them. They need someone leading them to these green pastures. What do these green pastures represent? It represents nutrition. It represents food. It represents what, what they need to sustain the sheep. Is that something that the Lord does for us? Absolutely. The Lord leads us to nutrition for our spirits. Does your spirit need nutrition? Absolutely. When those sheep get nutrition, they grow and they're healthy and they're strong and they're good. When they don't have nutrition, they wither away and they're weak and they're feeble. Is the same true for us? When we have nutrition for our spirits, we're healthy, we're strong. When we don't have nutrition... For our spirits were weak and were feeble. So how do we get that nutrition? Well, we stand by the shepherd. We let that shepherd lead. We let the shepherd lead us to green pastures. Next line. He leads me beside still waters. If you've done a, uh, if you've done any kind of research on this psalm, like if you've ever studied this psalm, uh, you might know, and, and even if you look at your footnotes, it might even say, like it does in my Bible, that, that another, like, way to, to, to say that, another translation, another way to translate this is, he leads me beside waters of rest. He leads me beside waters of rest. Do we need rest? Absolutely. We need rest. Rest for our souls. And the sheep need rest. He says in, in the very next line that he restores, the shepherd restores my soul. How he, how, how's he do that? He leads me beside waters of rest. And those waters of rest restore my soul. What does it mean to restore your soul? Do you know what your soul is made of? I think maybe we know. Our mind, our will, our emotions, that is what makes up our soul. Can any of that get out of whack? Oh yeah, a lot of times our mind, our will, our emotions can kind of get out of, out of alignment and they need to be restored. And how do we restore those things? We let the shepherd lead us to rest. And when there's rest, the shepherds, we we're able to, to realign our thoughts, realign our emotions, realign our way of thinking back to focusing on the shepherd. So a shepherd leads. He leads you to, he leads you to uh, nutrition for your spirit. He also leads you to rest for your soul. He also protects. You know what a, a sheep's uh, defense mechanism is? How they defend themselves? They don't. <laughs> sheep really don't. They, they don't have much of a defense. Um, I, I was reading, you know, they say that sheep's uh, main uh, area of defense, how they defend themselves, is they get together, a group. Well, that's a lesson in itself, isn't it? That's a lesson in itself, that a sheep uh, off by itself is much more vulnerable than a sheep that is with the flock. That's a lesson in itself but we're not going to focus on that. The shepherd is the main area of defense for his sheep. 
And you see that with David in, the, in, uh, in one of the next lines. He says, um, I'm going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And even though I'm walking in the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear any evil. You know what happens, like why, why he might fear, why the sheep might fear something happening to them? Because they don't trust the shepherd. That's why, that's why they might fear. Don't you think? You, you often fear because you don't trust that your shepherd is going to take care of you. Or you're not connected to that shepherd. That's oftentimes when fear starts to take over. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because my shepherd's here. My shepherd's with me, and he has this rod, and he has this staff, and they bring comfort to me. They, I'm comforted by the fact that my shepherd has something in his hand that's going to protect me from everything around me. Notice that it doesn't, it doesn't say, even though I walk close to the valley of the shadow of death, right? Even though, like, the shepherd's going to lead me right around the valley of the shadow. He's going to lead me around all that evil stuff. He's going to lead me around everything that, that could harm me. That's not, that's not what David says. Hey, no, no, no. Even though I'm right in the thick of it, I don't have anything to fear because my shepherd's here and my shepherd's going to bring protection. I don't have anything to fear because my shepherd has my best interest in mind. And he's not a hired hand, as John 10 would say. He's not a hired hand that would run off and and flee because he doesn't care anything about the sheep, but he's a good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep when need be. It's interesting, when David writes this, I was was thinking about what he told uh, King Saul. You remember what he told King Saul when when he was trying to convince King Saul to let him go fight uh, Goliath? And King Saul's like, no, 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 dude, you're like this little dude. And Goliath is humongous, and he's been training for war his entire life. Like, why would you even think to do that? And David's like, listen, when I'm out in, in the field, when I'm a shepherd, there's a lion that comes up, and he tries to attack my sheep, and I grab that joker by the beard, and I wallop that guy, right? Like, I know about protecting the sheep, and what, what, the, what I do for those sheep, the Lord is doing for me. I think that's great. <laughs> we don't have to fear. So we see those things. We see that, that the shepherd leads. We see that the shepherd brings nutrition for our spirit. As long as we allow the Lord to lead us, that there's nutrition for our spirit so that we can grow healthy, that we can grow strong in our spirit, not weak and feeble. We see that as long as we stay close to the shepherd, that there's rest for our souls. That our, that our mind, our will, our emotions can, can be realigned with Jesus. And we see that there's no reason to fear. We have nothing to fear, even though the world around us is in turmoil and chaos. I don't have anything to fear because I know my shepherd is, is right here, right beside me. Those are things that a shepherd does. But I think there's, 
just something, something else, just a little bit, a little bit unique about this name, Jehovah Rohi, the Lord my shepherd. Something just really unique here about this name is that it elicits a response from you and I. There's this, we, we, we see who God is and who God calls himself in this name, but we also see how he wants us to respond to him. If the Lord is our shepherd, then we are his sheep. And he wants that type of relationship with us. Just the same relationship that a sheep has with a shepherd is the same relationship that he wants with us. Look at, look at Ezekiel 34. If you're not familiar with, uh, with this chapter, Ezekiel 34 is all about, man, there's no pages turning. That's okay. <laughs> it's a digital age, man. Ezekiel 34 is this chapter that's all about uh, a shepherd. It's all about, it's all about God revealing himself as a shepherd. This whole, this whole chapter is. We're not going to read the whole chapter. We're going to focus on uh, just a few verses. Ezekiel 34, starting in verse uh, 14, it says, I will feed them with good pasture, the Lord says, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. Verse 15, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. And then at the end of the, at the, end of the chapter in verse 31, it says, And you, the Lord talking about us, and you are the, are the sheep, the human sheep of my pasture. And I am your God, declares the Lord God. The Lord is, is looking for that same type of relationship that a sheep has with a shepherd, which is total dependence. He's looking for total dependence from us on him. And you see that all throughout the Bible too. You see where, you see where the Lord is, is constantly putting his people in a position where they, totally, where they have to totally depend on God. You see it all, all throughout. There's, again, this common theme all throughout the Bible where the Lord is putting his people in a position where they must depend on God. You think about Abraham. Go, Abraham. Where am I going to go? Well, you're going to have to depend on me for that answer. Just go, and Abraham goes. You think about think about the people in in uh, in Egypt. They're they're wanting their freedom. They're wanting to to come out of Egypt. They've been slaves for four hundred years. How are they going to do that? Can they just throw up two fingers and say, "All right, Pharaoh, we're out"? Like that's that's not how it's going to work. Because I mean, Egypt is is like the number one superpower in the world at that point. They can't just do it. They can't. They, there's there's no way for them to gain their freedom. What do they have to do? depend on God. That's the only way. They depend on the Lord. Think about after they're, after they're freed. They're in the wilderness. 40 years they're in the wilderness walking around. Where's their food coming from? Where's their water coming from? They don't even know where to go. They depend on God. They have to. And as they depend on God, the Lord gives them manna. 
man, what is this? I don't know, but it tastes kind of like honey. And the Lord sends quail in the camp. The Lord sends water from a rock of all places. The Lord provides as long as they are depending on him. Think about the story of Gideon. Y'all remember that story? Where, where uh, the Midianites have total control over, over the people of Israel and the Lord tells Gideon, hey, you're, you're, you're going to lead this, uh, uh, you're going to lead the charge here. And Gideon's like, okay, let's do this. They get a, an army, I don't know, something like 30,000 strong against the Midianites who I'm not really sure, I can't remember how many they have, but it's well over 100. I mean, they're, they're very outnumbered. And the Lord says, well, what, what, what's he say? Too many. You got too many. That's not a good game plan, Lord. I don't know what book you've been reading, but it's not, that's, that's, not the, that's not the way we do things here, right? Like you want me to have less people to go, okay. So they whittle it down. They get down to 10,000. The Lord says, no, that's too many. Well, why is that too many? Because if you go to war against the Midianite army, you're going to think that you did this yourself. And if you think that you did this yourself, you're going to think that you can do the other yourself. And you're going to lose your dependency. You're not going to depend on me anymore, and I need you to realize that you have to depend on me for everything. That's the relationship that he wants. So they whittle it down. 300 people, they go up against the the Midianite army. Somehow the Lord brings a victory and they know to depend on God. I want to talk about one more thing. The ultimate, to me, the ultimate act of dependence on God, and that's salvation. Can you earn salvation? Can you get salvation? Can you do anything to, to achieve salvation? There's nothing, there's nothing you can do. Maybe you don't know anything about salvation. Maybe you're watching online and you don't know anything about the salvation that I'm talking about. Let me tell you something about salvation. Salvation is this crazy paradox. These two conflicting ideas that somehow work together where you lay down your life, you give up your life in order to live forever. Where you give up your rights in order to be free. Where in order to be free, <laughs> you have to become a slave. Where everything that that you thought was so valuable to you at one time, the most valuable things that you have in your life become absolutely worthless. And the one thing that you don't pay anything for becomes priceless. It's something that cost you nothing, and yet it cost you everything. And there's nothing you can do to earn it. There's nothing you can do to get it except remain totally dependent on your shepherd, on your savior.
And I'm going to close with this. I don't know what time it is, but I'm going to close with this. Maybe you've never made that decision. Maybe you in this room have never made this decision before. Maybe you watching online have never made this decision before. This decision of dependency. This decision of, of I can't do this on my own and I'm going to choose to look to my Savior. I'm going to choose to look to my shepherd for everything that I have. Maybe you've never made that decision before. Maybe you made that decision years and years ago. But I think that the Lord is asking this question today. What in your life requires dependence? What, what in your life are you leaning on your own understanding? And what in your life as Proverbs would say, do you need to stop leaning on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge Jesus, acknowledge your shepherd, acknowledge the Lord. What in your life do you need to look to your shepherd and stop doing things on your own? So why don't we stand together? Why don't we stand together and, and Michael's going to, to lead us in, in a song and, and I just want to take some time for, for re, re, reflection and, and allow the Lord to do something in our hearts, allow the Lord to speak to our hearts. And I'll pray, Father... We thank you that you are our shepherd, our good shepherd. Lord, we thank you that you lay down your life for your sheep. Lord, we thank you that, that we can rely on you and that you're never going to let us down. And so, Father, we collectively, Lord, we, we just say that we want total dependence on you. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you, that you come and, and convict us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you come and, and speak to our hearts. Show us, reveal any part of us that maybe we, we're holding on. Maybe, maybe we, we're, we're trying to do things on our own. Maybe we're trying to do things uh, in, in our own capacity or understanding. And Lord, we know that you have a much better way. So, Father, we just want to be dependent on you. And thank you, Lord. Thanks for joining us today for our podcast. Eastside Church exists to help people encounter Jesus, be equipped to grow and engage their community. For more information, please go to our website at eastsidechurch.co.